Welcome to the Gunning Truth with Ronnie in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, a podcast that dissects all things Arsenal. Finally, the Arsenal have beaten Liverpool Football Club and what's Amazing, shocking, deliberating, annoying, daunting, stupefying. All the words that you can say is all the nonsense that has happened post-game. We've had to take absolute hammerings from this team. And then a world-class manager and uh, the annoying fans had to uh, uh, keep on complaining about decisions that didn't go their way. Uh, if you analyse the game, uh, when they were on top, they maybe had one clear-cut chance and then they ended up scoring. And if you go and look at it, it might have been offside with interference of play. Uh, so in their little bit of dominating, and they were excellent. I want to give them credit. They were excellent in that period of time in the second half. I don't know if it's Arsenal uh, pulling back a little bit after the fast start. But uh, it was very, very disappointing to hear uh, once again. If it's not the one thing, it's the other thing when it comes to punditry, when it comes to opposition fans. Clearly, we are hitting the right chords. Uh, obviously, Liverpool's second goal came from when we were in control. Odegaard should have scored once again, passing to the keeper, as it seems to happen every single game. It just seems like there's moments where we just don't kill teams, but that will come, that will come, it might not be the season, maybe second half of the season, but uh, I don't know, I don't understand how it is that people could still moan about moments in the game, uh, yes, these tight, tight games, if you're now taking off your Arsenal hat, you can maybe look at it at when this is a big game taking place, then all these small moments that happens gets micro-analyzed, uh, like the moment where... Uh, some uh, Liverpool fans and some fans of opposition feels that the Gabriel Magayesh moment should have been a penalty, even though the new rules state about the proximity ruling. And then when you slow it down, then it looks like the ball goes against his chest first, etc., etc. So micro-analyzing every moment rather than giving Arsenal their due on an excellent display. And Liverpool are no mugs. That is why they started taking control in the first half. But where were they in the second half? The goal they scored was basically Arsenal messing up the opportunity to get the second goal, uh, or the third goal, I should say, uh, with the Udegaard situation, and then also another moment earlier on. And then, obviously, Firmino scored quite a good goal. It was a very good goal. So, uh, Liverpool ain't no mugs. They came to play. They, they It was a spectacle. A lot of people really enjoyed the game. A lot of people that doesn't support the two teams really enjoyed the game. And we finally got one over them. The Arsenal team, once again, Ramsdale in goal. Ben White, excellent 
uh, at the right fullback. Uh, Left-back was quite interesting at the start of uh, the game, or let's say an hour before the game, when the news filtered through that Tommy Yasso was going to play left-back. Uh, everybody was starting to think, what's going on? Tien is on the bench. He actually has been playing well in the Europa games. And also when he comes on, he's been playing well. But obviously, Arteta, you know, uh, you can look at it as his overthinking, something which his uh, buddy at Man City tends to do. However, this time it worked. Uh, the right foot option. So whenever Salah tries to cut in, then there's a right footed left back that is up against. And he was in Tomiyasu's pocket. Gabriel and Saliba once again uh, at the back. You've got people now, uh, every time there has to be a scapegoat. And Gabriel uh, is now the next scapegoat. Yes, he made a little bit of an error. He had to go for the ball on Liverpool's first goal. But once again, uh, he is now the new scapegoat. He's made a couple of errors, but let's get behind the boy. Uh, he compliments Saliba. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a daunting pairing. And yes, we are still conceding goals, unfortunately. But we're winning games. We're still scoring enough goals to win games. And the defending will come right. The defending will come right. Uh, and then in midfield, Thomas Partey had a very poor first half, I thought, with regards to his passing, positioning not so much. But uh, he was excellent in the second half. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just the way that we were pressing, the way that we were uh, where uh, Thiago was playing around us in the first half, especially when Liverpool started getting on top. So uh, maybe that's some of the reasons behind Thomas's f- first half display. Uh, Xhaka obviously pushing forward and then he's the only man there. So uh, Liverpool obviously started dominating the midfield. Not so much in the second half. Xhaka pulled back and we started obviously creating more opportunities even from deep. And then Xhaka had a very good game. Not his best game, but definitely uh, his presence was there to see. And especially with a penalty at the end, uh, you know, he was always there. He's always ready to fight for the team. And that's something that's commendable. And then obviously Odegaard, you can say he was a little bit quiet. But once again, it was a tight game. Uh, Again, uh, just prior to Liverpool's second goal, Firmino's goal, I felt that uh, somewhere along the line, he needs to work on that. And obviously not a, not a how can I say, well-rounded uh, finisher. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get into his game going forward, but it just seems like every time there's opportunities for him to shoot, it's tame, it doesn't quite you know uh, work for him. He tends to score goals where he is the last runner or he taps uh, you know goals that, that, that he taps in rather than shooting goals. So hopefully that can change. I don't know if it will, but... Uh, if you go and analyse games that we've especially dominated, then you'll notice there's quite a few games where he passes the ball straight to the keeper, especially when uh, maybe there's, there's not another pass on to Saka or to Martinelli and he tries to shoot, then it's a, a very tame effort. So that's the only thing I can criticise him for. I think he's an excellent, uh, quiet captain, if you can call him that. I think he's an excellent passer of the ball. He works really, really hard, I'm sure. His stats is right up there with uh, the hardest workers in the team. And then obviously Martinelli, what a display, unplayable at times. A lot of people making jokes from, uh, from Trent Alexander-Arnold where his dreadlocks, he didn't have dreadlocks in the second half, that's how he had to chase after Martinelli. So a world-class, world-class display from him. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli, can't wait for him to sign 
his new contract and push Arsenal forward. So he scored nice and early. Excellent, excellent uh, uh, display from him. Uh, Bukayo Saka, Bukayo Saka scoring two goals as well. Uh, very, very good display from Gabriel Jesus as well. We actually thought he was knocked out at one stage. Uh, some dodgy, dodgy play from Liverpool at times. It seems like when they couldn't handle us, then they had to resort to the dark arts when they are a team that can play well with the ball. So a couple of incidents that I wasn't too happy about. And then obviously everybody says a soft penalty where uh, uh, I think it was Van Dyke on Gabriel Jesus and our star boy getting the winning penalty. Phenomenal display from Arsenal. You can say in the first half uh, when Liverpool were really dominating, they had a couple of chances, you can say, where the final ball was missing, but maybe it was the pressure from Arsenal. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, but the way we pressed in the second half as a entire team was amazing to see. So finally, 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 we beat Liverpool. And the problem that I've got is that despite that, despite the beatings we've had to take over the years, and despite being written off all the time, when we do actually get a win, then there's whinging, you know, and that is uh, why I dislike uh, uh, Liverpool. I dislike Man United and, and Tottenham Hotspur more, but uh, the whinging, you know, they, they are good enough, they are good enough. Why do they need to have this whinging, whinging and moaning and moaning, especially from Klopp? They are good enough, they don't need to do this, but the pressure is getting to them. They are, what, 14 points with a game in hand behind us, so we obviously need to do our thing and just continue pushing from here on in. So my man of the match uh, was... Uh, Gabriel Martinelli, of course. Uh, you can say that uh, good display from Ben White again. I thought he was excellent. And then Tommy Yasu as well at left back. He was superb. So uh, we are on the right track. Once again, top of the log. And uh, Man City are playing Liverpool this weekend. And that will take place at Anfield. So that's going to be a very interesting game to watch. We've got Leeds United. So uh, looking forward to that game. Going to Ellen Road, uh, Martinelli scored twice there last season. Uh, I think we won 4-1. Uh, ESR scored, Saka, and then obviously Martinelli's two goals, and then Rafinha scored for Leeds United. So good memories from last season for uh, the Ellen Road game. So I will look into the team later on in this podcast. Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2. Come on, you Gunners! Now I have to talk about something that I absolutely despise and once again, it's time in your life that you're never getting back again. This bloody Europa League. I can't believe I had to, well I didn't really watch it per se, I obviously got the the privilege of having a PVR decoder whereby I can slow fast forward through moments during the game and maybe that's not the right way to analyze a game but I've been doing it for years I've got my way of analyzing the games and going back to moments and re-looking at things so obviously the positives is we've won our third game without well we did break a sweat in this game I felt Bodo Glimt had four good chances to score like very good chances and obviously you can say if they did score one of them Arsenal would have lifted their game but uh, yeah, something that 
everybody's trying to avoid is talking about the pitch first of all and uh, if you take everything else away whether it's using it as an excuse you can see that the ball is moving differently and we struggle to cope with that uh, if you're now brutally honest because we definitely do not play on these 3G or 4G pitches so that was something that I picked up straight away I made it note of it to just watch how Arsenal passes the ball, etc., etc. However, uh, the positives once again is we won the game uh, somehow. Uh, excellent display from Sambi Lokonga as well as Matt Turner in goal. He obviously was the hero of the evening. So you, if you have to watch the highlights, you'll notice that lots of things went through our midfield. First of all, so we had quite a strong team playing. So Turner in goal, and then we had Ben White at right back, and then Saliba played left centre back. So it just seemed like uh, it didn't quite work out. And then Rob Holding at right centre back, and then uh, we had Tierney at left back. Surprisingly, uh, he's had quite a few injuries on these uh, 4G pitches. And uh, he started, and also passing wasn't there, the crossing wasn't there. I don't know if you can say we were outworked maybe at times, especially in the second half. It looked like we were outworked. So I don't know if there was some sort of playing within themselves. However, I was very disappointed once again in the players coming in. The players that are on the fringes or the players that you can deem as players that comes in as backup. That's my only concern. My only concern is in certain areas we don't really have backup. And it was a concern... The performances, especially from Ketia, you can argue that uh, there was absolutely nothing coming from him. We had two decent creative outlets in midfield. So we played the single pivot of Sambi and then left eight Vieira, right eight was Erdegaard. And uh, they just never got going. The passes was, was off. And to some extent, you you have to, yes, it's an excuse, but you have to use it as the the conditions the pitch conditions the way the ball moves is very different than to normal grass and obviously the proof is in the pudding we beat them convincingly last week 3-0 and uh, same same players basically maybe even a stronger team played and we couldn't get our passing going so there's various things the the dynamic change of the midfield with Xhaka not being there and Thomas not being there and then obviously with Saliba going from right centre-back to left centre-back. I don't know if it's a huge deal because he tended to play right and left for his previous clubs uh, in France. As well as for the national French national team, left centre-back as well. So I don't know if you can look into that. And then obviously the way they played through the middle. This is Bodo Glimt. And then you also have to give them credit. The energy was good. I thought the... End product was poor. They did create four good chances. They've also got a 14-match winning streak. Not No draws. 14-match European winning streak. Mostly in the Conference League, I would think that is. And qualifying games for the Europa League. So uh, they've got a good record. But from what I saw over the 180 minutes, I think it was more Arsenal not being good than Bodo Glimt raising their standards. So a 1-0 win for Arsenal. The log situation at the time of recording, PSV were about to kick off against Zurich in the later game. So Arsenal, three games played, still one game less than Bodo Glimt. Three games played, one goal conceded, six scored. So nine points, so 100% record. 
The only reason it does sound like I'm being negative is my concern is it's a long season. And in previous podcasts, I've, I've talked about the opportunities that's coming on a weekly basis due to the way the fixtures have gone. There is a changed team fixtures on a weekday, so mostly Thursdays, where a couple of guys that's not in the starting lineup that feel that they are not getting enough game time. This is their opportunity, and I haven't seen to a less extent the, the first two games. Uh, I haven't seen Vieira, Marquinhos, you know, take the opportunities. Vieira, you can say, in the second game, and then obviously against Brentford as well. So maybe he shouldn't be put into that category, but more Marquinhos not taking his chances. Nelson obviously only played a game and a half, not taking his chances, and Nketiah too. So you can look at it in the first two games, and Nketiah scored two goals, but he still doesn't look all there. Uh, when he starts, funny enough, looks energetic, uh, presses amazingly when he comes on. So it's weird. When he comes on, he looks like he's got energy, but hasn't got that final product, like putting the ball at the back of the net when he comes on. However, he's got two goals in three games. So you can look at it, you overanalyze, you microanalyze everything, and maybe that is not what it's about. It's the Europa League. It happens every year where we play these teams and we just tend to drop our level a little bit and maybe they raise their level a little bit and then at the end of the day, maybe it seems like uh, the game could have changed uh, in terms of the result. But maybe Arsenal would have changed their tempo, uh, changed the way they played if Bodo Glimt scored. They didn't score. We scored early through Saka and it's a 1-0 win you get out of there, out of that place where there's a 4G pitch, an ice, icy cold weather, and you move on to the next game. Two home games to go. So what it means for the position of the log, PSV obviously having to still play their third game this evening against Zurich. Arsenal have nine points from their three games. Bodo Glimt obviously after getting four points from their first two games, including an away draw at PSV. They have played four games, four points. So they're in third position. And Zurich, who are the group strugglers, they have got no points after three games. I'm expecting PSV to win and possibly go to seven points, two points behind Arsenal. With the Europa League replay of match day two to take place. So obviously we were supposed to play PSV at, uh, at the Emirates Stadium. And then the passing of the Queen took place. And now we've got that game in hand next Thursday. So next Thursday at the Emirates. So a good chance for us to then pull away with 12 points after four games. And then once again, Marquinhos, Vieira, Holding, Sambi. These are the type of guys that now needs to step up. Cedric must play from next week onwards so that we can start giving some guys a bit of a rest. We would then have Southampton away uh, the Sunday following the PSV game. Another note is that it's a Premier League match day week next week. So we had to then postpone our top of the log clash against Manchester City. So, yeah, with Liverpool beating Man City this Sunday. And if we would have beaten Man City next Thursday, uh, then we would have been seven points clear at the top of the log. So how's that from going from a negative, even though we are 100% in the Europa League, moaning about... Uh, uh, players not uh, fulfilling their ambition of performing in these games to thinking that we could be seven points clear if we played Man City next week. 
wishful thinking, we probably would have messed that up as well. But uh, we move. So next week, Arsenal play PSV at the Emirates Stadium. If we win, we have 12 points and we should have won the group by then. And remember, we would then have to play PSV away and then Zurich at home. So strong chance that we will have 15 or 16 points uh, come the end of the group phase. And then we avoid all those top Champions League teams that's going to be dropping down to the Europa League. The likes of Barcelona can will likely drop into the Europa League, last 32 stage. Juventus, AC Milan, Shakhtar Donetsk. So those are the type of teams that's going to play in the last 32. However, if Arsenal win the group, which they likely will, they avoid that last 16, last 32 game. However, we could face some big teams in the last 16 because there's no avoiding that. So the Europa League will become very difficult next season and with tough away games. Remember, we played quite a few of the top teams at home and we've got to play City twice next year after the World Cup. What sort of way are our players coming back after the World Cup? So these are things that you don't really want to think about now because we are top of all of the competitions that we are playing, top of the league in the Premier League, top of the league in the Europa League. However, you have to look forward because it's next year when there's going to be trophies up for grabs. So, terrible evening with regards to the the standard of football that I had to watch. Even though I didn't watch watch it live live, I fast-forwarded through it. Fast-forwarded live, if you can call it that. So we move on to Leeds United on Sunday afternoon. Our next league game is the Sunday 3pm South African time against Leeds United. And uh, obviously we can go four points clear of the Premier League uh, with City playing Liverpool afterwards. Uh, big game, as they all are. Uh, we obviously have an ambition to be in the Champions League. However, I feel the ambition should be to be comfortable uh, when it comes to points tally by the time we go for this World Cup break, which I am not looking forward to. We always enjoy a World Cup, but it just seems like it's just not coming at the right time for Arsenal. So we've got a good record against Leeds United. We tend to win relatively easily. Last season, 4-1. Two goals from Martinelli. Uh, Saka scored and ESR scored. So uh, free-flowing game last season. Obviously a very attack-minded Leeds United we faced. They're a little bit more compact. Um, Slightly defensive-minded, more so than under Bielsa. They've got this American uh, manager. But uh, I'm confident that we can get the win, especially with the way we're playing. I'm hoping we can control the game like we did against Brentford, uh, like we did, I'm referring to away games, like we did against Bournemouth, as well as the first half against Crystal Palace. So those are some excellent away performances that we've recently had. So I'm hoping that we can control the game like that and then suffocate Leeds United and just take up our opportunities. Uh, when it comes to team news, injuries at this moment in time, it, uh, I, uh, El Nene will probably start training while the World Cup is taking place. Uh, so he's still not available. Uh, ESR as well will probably be around about the same time as El Nene in uh, mid-December, I would think. So if Arsenal are going to go away as rumoured to do some warm weather training, I'm expecting El Nene and ESR at the back end of that warm weather training to in Dubai, I think it is, 
I'm expecting them to have some sort of involvement at the end of that period. And then uh, we've got no other injury concerns. Jesus didn't train at all, uh, maybe for most of this week, because I, th I think we felt that we just wanted to give him a bit of a rest. And then we don't know what the situation is with Zinchenko. Uh, muscular issues that he's been having for most of the season. Uh, he's been out about three different times already, but not for long. So I'm hoping that he gets to be involved somehow, but uh, I don't foresee him starting. So I can actually see Arsenal playing the exact same team uh, uh, that played last week against Liverpool. So I think that it's possible that we could have uh, Tommy Yasso again at left-back, Ben White at right back, Saliba and Gabriel in uh, at the back, and then in goal Ramsdale comes back in, and then obviously Thomas Partey and Xhaka, as well as Odegaard, our midfield three, and then Saka, Martinelli, and Gabriel Jesus up front. So I don't expect the team to change. You could maybe say that Tierney for Tommy Yasso, but I doubt it. I think actually due to the fact that Tierney played most of if not all of the game against Bodo Glimt, uh, I expect uh, the team to remain the same. Uh, difficult to say because they don't really have that threat. Does uh, Leeds United, uh, because obviously it was a tactical decision to bring in Tomiyasu. So maybe it is that TNE does play on Sunday. I doubt it. I think the team will be exactly the same. Uh, and I'm hoping for a 3-1 win. So we are stronger this season. Uh, but I actually think we won't win 4-1 like we did last season. But I, at the end of the day, it's about three points. And then obviously the pressure is on Manchester City to get a win at Anfield. So that, yeah, so hopefully we will be four points clear by the time that game kicks off so that we can have a nice relaxing Sunday evening watching the City-Liverpool uh, game at Anfield. So there we go. Up the Arsenal, so we obviously don't know much news by now because we've just uh, played our Europa League game. So we need to find out if our players are going to be fit. But yeah, I think we're going to win 3-1 and I think we're going to have the exact same team that played against Liverpool. So we hope that Arsenal will be top by the end of this weekend. Another segment to look at the Arsenal woman ahead of this upcoming weekend's WSL games, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, there was a little bit of an international window for the ladies. I think it was two, uh, a two-game international window. And unfortunately, Arsenal, uh, upon losing uh, our left centre-back, Rafaeli, the Brazilian captain, uh, we also lost our uh, English captain Leia Williamson. So both our first team ladies are suffering a bit with um, ankle injuries. So as the coach uh, Jonas Ideval said that they will be out for a couple of weeks. So Arsenal have to make some changes and the quality of the centre-backs that comes in ahead of them because they are so good uh, is not that good. And Arsenal have a very, very difficult Champions League uh, to look forward to. But just on the Women's Super League, Arsenal are top, having played two games. Uh, six points, goal difference of plus eight. Man United ladies have two games, six points, as well as Aston Villa. So three teams with a 100% record. And then uh, reigning 
defending champions Chelsea women in fourth place. They've played an extra game because they lost in the first week to Liverpool women. So they played three games and have six points as well. So uh, the top five all have six games with the top three teams having only played twice because on week one it was once again the Queen of England's death. Uh, obviously stopped a lot of football, which affected Arsenal in quite a, quite a bit of ways with regards to fixtures. So with regards to who Arsenal have to play, they are playing on Sunday evening, just before 8, against Reading Women. Uh, now, if you are interested in watching the Women's Super League games, they tend to show it on Super Sport 7. Uh, or Super Sport 8, one of the two channels. So just have a look at the fixtures there, but there is uh, WSL women's games that tend to be shown, sometimes delayed, sometimes live. Obviously, the men's game has preference, so there's quite a few uh, times where they will show a delayed game of one of the games. So, uh, yeah, so Arsenal playing Reading Women. Reading Women are bottom, bottom of the league. Two games... One goal scored, six goals conceded. So it should be an easy win for Arsenal. But obviously, Arsenal have the UEFA Women's Champions League to look forward to. And they are in the group of death, basically. Uh, they have to... Uh, they got the Women's Champions League champions, uh, Lyon, as well as Juventus Women, the Italian champions to look forward to in their group. So Arsenal have to go away. So the toughest game in the women's game or the matches to go to was last year Arsenal women had to play Barcelona twice and they got thumped twice. And this year they have to go to the team that beat that Barcelona team, uh, Olympic Lyonnais women. So 9 o'clock this Wednesday, the game will be on YouTube, on the Zone YouTube channel. So there's an opportunity to watch the ladies play the best team in Europe. Possibly the world, Olympique Lyonnais women. So a tough group for Arsenal to negate in the Champions League. We obviously have got some top quality players that obviously wants to play in the Women's Champions League. That's how we ended up keeping them. However, we've got a very difficult group. And funny enough, Arsenal, like the men, have FC Zurich in their group as well. So interesting to look forward to. I will obviously then uh, next week after our Europa League game. I will have a look at Arsenal Women's Week where they had games against Reading this coming Sunday and then obviously that big Women's Champions League game on the DAZN YouTube channel, 9 o'clock on Wednesday the 19th. So look forward to it. Arsenal's got a tough, tough, tough week ahead and both starting centre-backs are injured. So a very difficult week for the Arsenal women. Let's see how they perform. Up the Arsenal.